1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. Looking back at Everton's 1-1 Premier League draw with Tottenham at Goodison on Sunday, a game that was overshadowed by the serious injury suffered by Andre Gomez. Today I'm joined by Paul Wheelock and Adam Jones. Lads, how are we? Uh I'm, I'm, I'm okay yeah yeah. I've, I've lost my voice from the uh, the lower Gladys last night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't blame you no just <laughs> screeching at Martin it was you deserved it you deserved it. <laughs> it, was, it was my first game sitting in the lower Gladys since Wofford the 2-2 last year and it was like full on can't remember going that madder ref no he was he was, he was dreadful wasn't he he was absolutely appalling
2: mm, yeah even before all the VAR stuff in the second half uh, fans were already getting on his back so.
1: We will obviously cover the the, the shambles that was uh, VAR a little bit later on, but Adam, I'll start with you, and there is only one place to start, and you know I think Cenk Tosin summed it up in his Instagram post. You know when he said you're the tuck losing for for the injury to to Andre not not to happen. How how devastating is an injury like that for for Gomez? Oh well, it's a devastating injury for any player, really, isn't it? You just you never want
2: to see that kind of thing happen on a football pitch, and I think. You know, Holgate summed it up when he came into the mix zone after the game and he said it felt like a loss uh, for the players because the only thing that they were thinking about was Andre Gomez. You know, the only thing that fans walking home from Goodson would have been thinking about was the condition of Andre Gomez because, you know, it just seemed such an innocuous sort of thing in, in the first place. And, you know, Son picking up a red card for it has caused a bit of controversy. I, I think it's... Completely legitimate that he he's picked up a red card for that. You know he's not gone for the ball, and he's ended up seriously injuring uh, Andre Gomez in doing so. So I think it's an absolutely well-deserved red card. And I think it's just we've just had the update uh, not long ago that Andre Gomez has underwent very successful surgery. Uh, Everton have confirmed the procedure went very well, and he's expected to make a full recovery. Uh, Which is, you know, can only be considered positive news. Uh, We've got no sort of time frame on his return yet. He's just going to be recovering in hospital uh, for the foreseeable future, and then, you know, over time he'll return to Finch Farm. But yeah, it's just good to hear that he's had successful surgery, and it is just a horrible injury to to see happen to any any player. Really,
1: would you agree with with Adam Paul that it was a it was a deserved red card for? For son in, in, in the challenge on, on Gomez? I would yeah I was uh,
0: probably similar to Adam I was in the, the stands but in the main stand yesterday I wasn't in the press box and we were further along towards the park end and a few minutes earlier it's, it's all about the context for me because when you see it in the TV pictures it's probably not a red card foul you know a red card offence but you have to see it from the angle we saw it from and I, I think a few minutes earlier it, it basically upset that it appeared that he'd been hit or knocked in the face by Gomez and as soon as Gomez set off with the ball you could see the intent was to go after him and like you know everyone has been in this position where maybe you've, had, you've took a foul and you see the fellow who's fouled you. you go after him and try and get the ball back after him and I don't think Sean would never in a million years have wanted the outcome to happen what happened. But I think he didn't intend to play the ball. I think he tried to not not do That's that's I think what, that's I think what's it. What's I, what's th- a, th- I th- think
2: it was just a cynical sort yeah, a of cynical foul. foul. like we a we we, foul. we see it, yeah. it so of a yeah. you, you know, a player you just a and you know a little at all a little bit of a take a yellow bit commit a cynical foul because a was making a dangerous run down yeah. that left flank. And, you know, it, it, as you say, some absolutely won't have meant to cause no. uh, the kind of injury that has been caused and, you know, his reaction to it so, so sums it up. But it, it it doesn't it doesn't detract from the severity of what he has done for me.
0: Because that's it. Without that challenge, even though what happened after it, you know, the other collision and the fall was what caused it, but without him making that foul there is no terrible injury for Andre Gomez so actually understand why he was sent off people will say well they're not the rules well they should be the rules for me yeah. because if I think I said on a tweet last night me and you talk, spoke about it like if you cynically bring someone down why should you stay on the pitch? Yeah. And I know when some people responded to me saying, well, what about a shirt pull and stuff like that? And that's fair enough because, you know, you could open up a can of worms and everyone's getting red cards left, right and centre. But the matter of times I've been at the Everton game or any football game and a player's bursting through the middle and someone pulls the shirt. And to me, that, that could be a red card in a way. And, but to bring it back to, to the point, no, I, I don't think Son could have any complaints really, you know, and the guy's has ended up with a potentially career-threatening injury which given the news that we've just heard now the fact that the surgery has been successful hopefully that certainly won't be the case but yeah I I didn't have much sympathy for Son to be honest. I think it was just a
2: shock to everyone in the ground really wasn't it it was such such a weird atmosphere to be in the ground like I was in the ground when James McCarthy uh, suffered his double leg breaking you know it was a very similar sort of hush to send it over, Goodison to some park because you just instantly know when you see yeah. a player react like that that it's it, it's a dreadful injury. You know, there was hush among the stands. Like the, the players from both sides were absolutely distraught, and you've got to say fair play to both sides for you know carrying on with the match after that because you know it could so easily affect uh, a player's sort of psyche whenever whenever they see uh, a, an injury like that. And you know, fair play to Everton to. Fighting back, and you know, they did that for Gomez, really, at the end of the day.
1: And Seamus Coleman went into the the spares dressing room after for someone who'd suffered a, a similar injury. That's a, that's a gesture that you've come to expect from Seamus, really, isn't it? Oh, yeah, he's, he is, you know, he's the cl- club captain at the end of the day, and he
2: wants to present himself in the best possible way because at the end of the day, that presents Everton in the best possible way as well. And yeah, as you say, he has gone through uh, a Similarly horrific injury himself not so long ago, so he's he's experienced that. You know, I'm sure he'll use his sort of experience to try and guide Gomez through the coming weeks, months, uh, to try and get him back to full fitness. And uh, you know, it was it was nice to see him, in my opinion, go into the Spares dressing room after, at the end of that game because you know, it, 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 as you say it, it doesn't just affect the Everton players at the end of the day; it will affect the Spares players as well.
1: And you know, Gomez's injury was the, the the big talking point. Unfortunately, after the game, but VAR you know showed itself again. I think to be almost shambolic in in the way it's it's being applied, and, and once more again, Everton did generally seem to get uh, you know not not the not the way you'd want it to to kind of go. There's, there's a few decisions. Uh, that we've seen on the on the television replays after Paul for you, the Delhi Ali handball and the Richarlison one with Davinson Sanchez are they are they both penalties? I'd agree, and like I'd, in a way I could see that
0: Sons could have been a penalty in some respects as well. I just it's the first time I've ever experienced the the VAR effect in full force at, at a football game, and it, 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 you think it's bad at home. I remember watching was at Man City Tottenham earlier this season Mm. I'm thinking God you feel sorry for City fans there but it's not until and you'll have have obviously done it Adam it's seen incidents Mm. at games away games this season but it's not actually until you're experiencing the the live football match that you realise just how terrible it is because the, the Richarlison one you could tell there was going to be a claim because it looked like it could be the son one similar but the handball one in again in the main stand none of us had a clue what was going on until yeah. it came up on the screen and I don't think it came up on the screen immediately yeah. and then when it did it just seemed to take an absolute age and it was just like if we didn't have var that would never the game would have continued. And I think it kinda of, it ruins the flow of it more yeah. than anything else. Because at times there was flow to that game. It wasn't a great game of football, but it just seemed to it just seemed to take a lot of the sting out of it. And it was just I just and it's not like you go to football for like an experience, like you might go to a, a concert or like a show or something like that. But there is there is that kind of like entertainment part of football and to me it just it killed it flat dead. It was my first
1: proper experience of it, and I, I just hated it to be honest. Adam, the, the same question to you then. But was you kind of baffled by how these decisions went? Were not penalties? Um,
2: I th- I, yeah. Uh, if you if you're just looking purely at the decisions, I don't know how. Especially the Delhi Alley one. I don't. I just don't understand how they've decide that that's not a penalty I think the Premier League have said uh, that Mina was he was under pressure from Yeri Mina so uh, the VAR deemed that it wasn't a clear and obvious error but I, I just don't understand the, the sort of logic behind that are you never going to give a penalty when you know somebody handles it from a corner then because yeah. somebody a defender is always under pressure from an attacker in those sort of circumstances can you just jump with your arms in the air and just be like oh well I was under pressure yeah. so I'm not going to concede the penalty here but I think I think it just goes beyond the kind of decisions themselves, regardless of whether you'd agree with the decisions or not. The implementation of VAR is an absolute farce in, in, in its current form. I just I just don't think the Premier League have thought it through enough. I think they've brought in these replays and they thought, oh well, now that we've got the replays, everything will be fine. But the lack of communication to match going supporters is, I, I think you describe it perfectly. It, it's a shambolic. Because, you know, you've got supporters sitting there. I think for that Delhi Alley handball, it was over three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. supporters were just sitting there and they were looking at a thing on a screen that was just saying VAR check. Now for the Brighton game, they showed a replay of the incident on yeah. the screen. So fans could at least see what was, you know, yeah. what was under contention. Those supporters in the ground couldn't see any sort of replay on on what the VAR was discussing. There wasn't any sort of communication from the referee maybe we should be micing up the referee. Why didn't the referee go over to the screen on the side yeah. to have a look? Yeah. There's just so many sort of inconsistencies, even with that Son and Mina one. You know, if you're going to give that one uh, that Michael Keane gave away against Brighton, that's it's that a very it, it's similar, a, it's a very similar yeah. sort yeah. of situation, isn't it? So, like, you know, the contact was there, it was accidental, but it was there. So why isn't that a penalty when you compare it to that one? They checked that one twice for some reason. And it's just... It's just absolutely shambolic. I, I I just don't see how they can possibly continue continue with this in the Premier League in its current form because it, they they need to change something drastic because otherwise it's these match going supporters you know they've paid however much for their tickets to you know some a lot of people are taking their families to these sorts of games and you, they're coming out of it just thinking what have i just watched there i've i've watched a football match being played in front of my eyes but it's getting dictated by some fella watching a tv screen 200 miles away in stockley park i
1: think i think that's the point as well isn't it paul that as adam says there we we have a referee and then you have the you know the the var official but then they seem to be make the var official now seems to be kind of making decisions on subjective kind of thing mm. you know like yeah if you're offside var can definitively say whether it's one centimetre or two yards, you're offside or you're not offside. And I always feel like, okay, you know, some of the goals we've seen already with VAR, you are like that, that is so unlucky, millimetres. And, you know, the the ball on the goal line, we've had a couple of close encounters with them. But, you know, for for some people, the Deli Alley one would have been a penalty and for others it wouldn't. And, you know, they're not going to get a kind of draw a line under any of these decisions, are they? No, absolutely right. It's almost like you're putting... One mistake
0: in one person's hand into into someone else's. Like we might as well go back to what we had, where a referee will get some right and we'll get some wrong. Yeah. In the same way that a player will get some decisions right and get some decisions wrong. It's just, and you were spot on as well, mate. It, it's ludicrous. I, I don't know about you, Sam. Yesterday in the goddesses, I say I was in the main stand, and I wasn't excited by the, like, VAR appeal for the penalty because mainly I didn't know what was going on. I didn't realise it was a handball. But it's not like, you know, in rugby league where you're waiting for the try decision, try or no try, and it's, like, building up. I was just frustrated yesterday. And it just feels like if if you either... Let the referee have the power whereby, as Adam says, go to a screen like it did in the World Cup because then at least you can see something's happening. Oh, we must be reviewing this and then you get it on the... Why don't you just open it all up to the supporters and put it all on the big screen and let's see how they make their decisions in the same way that Rugby Union refs particularly don't need. You can hear them, the mic's up. I just think it might actually give an insight into the pressure that they're going through as referees as well because at the moment it just seems like... Complete shambles. That's the best word for it. It was just, it's just a shambles from top to bottom.
2: I mean, in those sorts of situations, sometimes you you feel for the on-field referee sometimes because you know, like. I find it hard to feel for Martin Atkinson after <laughs> yeah. some of the decisions <laughs> yeah, he made by himself <laughs> yesterday. But like in those sort of like penalty VAR situations, he's just like the rest of us. He's just stood there in the middle of the pitch, going, oh, "Well, the, the the fella in Stockley Park, you know, having a look at this." And for some reason, there must be some sort of guideline that he can't go and use that screen on the on the side of the pitch for himself. So he's he's just stood there like the rest of us. So. It's, it's it's just a bizarre bizarre situation and i think yesterday more than it more than any other occasion so far in the premier league proved that this desperately needs to change
1: as as you touched on there as well adam it's been a long time since i can remember you know obviously the the supporters stayed after the game i think to you know deservedly in the end clap clapped the team off for, as you said you know responding to the to the shock of of gomez's injury and, and getting that equalizer but you know, people it's it seemed like stayed in the droves just to boo Martin Atkinson <laughs> off the pitch. It was a it was a woeful performance from the referee, wasn't it? I mean there were a couple of
2: really weird decisions at the end of the first half and they're the ones that stick in my head most about Atkinson. There was one where he booked Theo Walcott for like kind of a turn on the a, ball. Having a look at the replay yeah. he just Quite, quite clearly, just wins the ball off Ben Davis. I don't know whether Martin Atkinson thought he had excessive force in going for the ball or something, but he booked him. And then VAR quite laughably looked at that one for a red card, and obviously that was turned down. And then uh, there was a similar incident with Tom Davis. I can't remember who he, uh, who he was challenging, but he went in for a you know a fairly innocuous sort of challenge on the byline, like right in front of the fourth official, and uh, that was given as a foul against him. And he was like quite clearly very angry with the fourth official until Mauricio Pochettino led him away. You know, it was those sorts of decisions where, you know, it, 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 it was almost a bit disappointing for Everton that they came so late in the first half because that really got the crowd riled up. There. You know, it was, it was those sorts of decisions where, you know, when Goodison Park feels like the referee's against them, where everything's against them, that's when almost we see Goodison's best atmosphere and we started to see, you know, the start of that, I think, until, you know, the... Half time whistle unfortunately went and you know the booze at half time were absolutely aimed at Martin Atkinson rather yep. than anything else. Uh, and then you know we've discussed everything that happened in the second half as well, and it was just like just petty little decisions. I think Richarlison went down a good, a good number of times, and you know, I've seen a lot of people. Uh, Having a go almost at the Brazilian for how much he was hitting the floor, and you know, in some in some respects, yes, he did hit the floor uh, a bit a bit too readily, I think. But there were numerous times where I thought he was legitimately fouled. One occasion inside the box, which should have given him a penalty, mm-hmm. and uh, he was he was kind of penalised almost for going out to the ground a little bit too early. And I just don't think that should be the case at all. You, you know, you look at each sort of decision subjectively, which, whichever player. Is involved in it, so yeah, I think Atkinson probably has a few decisions that he maybe need, needs to answer for because you know the Everton fans definitely believe in Goodison Park. They're feeling quite rightly
1: aggrieved. And overall, then you know with with these kind of those big talking points out the way, Paul. What what did you think of Everton's performance on on the whole?
0: I thought, I thought it was decent I thought it was decent it's not great nowhere near great decent enough because it's kind of like it's like a bit of a balancing act because on one hand Tottenham haven't won away after since January March, and March. they didn't have Harry Kane how many mm. goals he scored against Everton in, in recent years and he's without question their number one player and not only away form just form generally this season they are, they are a poor team in in that respect so you think god that's that's two points dropped but at the same time, I looked at Tottenham's lineup and thought That's still a really strong team, and yeah. I thought while they weren't very good yesterday, they were still physically strong. You know, they had two, power- two or three powerful midfielders, good in defence, and, and you kind of you can't forget that. But there were times where I thought we we could and should have done more, particularly the opening kind of thirty minutes. I thought we were very, very kind of on the back foot. Thought we could have pushed the initiative a bit more, but. At the same time, maybe Marco Silva was looking back to what happened last season when we did go for Tottenham we got absolutely annihilated. So I can understand that. And, you know, part of you at the end, when they went down to 10 men and we get the equaliser, you think, come on, push forwards, go for this. Could we have done a bit more? But I think you have to put that into the context of what the players have just witnessed on both sides with Andrzej Gomez. So you've got to cut them a lot of slack there. When you look at it, since West Ham we've beat West Ham which everyone's happy with and it. it was a great performance beat Watford which was the absolute requirement and then you take a point against Tottenham it's almost like that defeat at Brighton has made yesterday a poorer result if you know what I mean if we yeah. would have won or drawn against Brighton yeah. automatically you don't look at it and think well you know that, that's a bad result because I don't think it is a bad result to draw at home to Spurs but you look at the table and we really needed the three points yesterday
1: Mm -hmm. In terms of kind of individual performances, Adam, I think you've wrote about it a couple of times in the last few weeks, but Jibril Sidibe and and Seamus Coleman obviously fighting for that right-back slot, and and Sidibe got the nod uh, for Tottenham. What did you make of his performance?
2: I thought he was solid, yes, again. I think it's... I think against Brighton, especially in the closing stages of that game, it was quite clear that he was you know, struggling a little bit with the pace of it. And, you know, you can understand that, really. You know, he's only just really come over to English football and, you know, the physical sort of requirements of playing in the Premier League is just so different than in everywhere else yeah. uh, across Europe. So, uh, I think it was the, the absolute right decision to rest him against Watford and I think we saw the benefits of that again uh, yesterday, you know, for 102. 203 minutes was it in the end he was bombing up and down that right flank you know he was popping up popping up in centre mid in (laughs) in some stages which uh, I think he was getting caught out of position a little bit too much for my liking Uh, I don't think his quality in the final third was as good as it was against West Ham but I think that is indicative of the whole Everton team to be honest so yeah he was I think he was one one of the highlights I think Alongside Yenny Mina and Mason Holgate. I think Holgate's only little mistake was for getting caught square for Ali's goal. But, you know, he's he's a young centre back. He's he's gonna make those sorts of mistakes and, you know, especially against somebody with the quality of Delhi Ali. You know, Delhi Alley's gonna do that against a lot of defenders in the Premier League this season. So I don't think I don't think Mason should be looking at his performance in any sort of negative light at all. Uh but for me I think Tom Davis was was the standout i think some of his passing range especially was absolutely incredible i think he was uh, played in a that little bit more advanced role uh, alongside gomez uh, from the start and i think that absolutely benefited him no end he just had so much freedom so much space always looking for the ball always one touch get get that pass out you know just as he was doing against west ham and uh, one pass in particular you know that pass to walcott in the second half where he's just sliced it right through the middle of four uh, t- Tottenham defenders I think Walcott should really do a lot better with that opportunity I think Davis put him on, put it on a plate for him and I think Davis will be a little bit disappointed that he was one of the men sacrificed uh, late on when we were going for the game but again I don't, I don't think he should be looking at his performance in any sort of bad light at all uh, in terms of a full team I think it was just two teams out of form just, play, just playing against each other, to be honest. Uh, from the first 20-odd minutes, you could probably have guessed that it was going to be a draw. Yeah. Both teams looking solid in defence. Both teams just struggling to create opportunities. And, you know, we said in the preview pod before the Spurs game that it would, there was first 15-20 minutes were going to be really interesting, if Everton really took the game to Spurs, you know, made them doubt themselves then it could have been a really different game and Everton just didn't really do that maybe it was because of what Paul said what happened in last season's game, you know, where Spurs just kept picking us off on the counter-attack, maybe that was the case maybe it was just Everton settling into a new experimental sort of 4-1, 4-1 formation you know, maybe that was the case but it's hard to come out of that not feeling just a little bit disappointed because we know that these players can put in better performances than that. Yeah. So it's hard to come not to come out of that without some sort of disappointment. But you know, as Paul says, at the end of the day, Spurs have got some quality players. They were unlucky not to come away with the result at Anfield last week. Yeah, yeah. So to, you know to put that into perspective, it's it's still a decent point. But you know, you, you do have to say it's still disappointing that Everton didn't get all
1: three. Adam's point about about Tom Davis, Paul. It's it's been interesting, really, isn't it? Because when when we started the season, and obviously we had JP signing and signing and unfortunately he's injured as well, and and now Gomez injured, but it's definitely now going to be a, a, a massive opportunity for 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 Tom and and Morgan Schneiderlin as well now to to really kind of show what we've been missing. haven't really, isn't it? And, and I know Tom's played the last couple of matches, but. Was you was equally impressed by him, and do you think now this is his real chance? Now, up until the January transfer market opening, where Everton might reassess their options in midfield to show why the club had so much faith to to hand him a new long-term deal in the summer?
0: Most definitely, yeah. It's it's football. It's a cruel but funny game where sometimes your breaks come because of someone else's unfort you know unfortunate circumstances. And and now you look at Tom Davis. Given his form, he's probably with Delf the two meant for me to be playing in midfield week in week out if he can continue the way he, he's playing you know he set such high standards for himself with that goal against City and that performances in the second half of the season under Koeman and I, I lost a little faith in him I'll be completely honest because what I always liked about him he never hid he always wanted the ball and he always wanted to play it forward but sometimes his range let him down or it's like his radar almost kind of thing I think he gave the ball away too often and I don't think even though he were ambitious passes I think someone of his quality could still do it yeah. what I've seen in recent weeks is a player who's still got that confidence and is now executing those passes like completely right the, the ball through to Walcott was absolutely brilliant and, and he should have done better but I thought against West Ham that was the one that really struck me everything he did was positive but every, I'd love to see like his passing stats for that but certainly in the first half it didn't feel like he wasted one at all and if he's got his confidence, maybe that time out of the sides helped him kind of recover because he had that. That's what happens. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it does happen with young players. You do have ups and downs. Uh, but I've been so impressed with him, and I know you gave him man the match yesterday, Adam, and I thought that was completely right too because I thought he, he had another really solid game. And yeah, it's it, it's a horrible situation what's happened with Gomez. But maybe one positive out of it is that it might give Tom a, a good run in the team.
1: And Adam, after after that draw, you know we've got. Uh, Southampton at the weekend and, and then Norwich will, will come to good us and where where do you think An Ev- Everton are at now and in terms of you know there's there's obviously been a lot of speculation uh, around Marco Silva is this these are the two must win games aren't they?
2: It's two very important games I think it's you know you can't can't deny that and, and especially you know with an international break in the middle of it as well and with Everton you know still unfortunately being so close to the relegation zone you know you've got to You've got to think that these two games are massively important, but you know, t- 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 I think I think Marcus over just needs to now find out what what his best formation is, what his best group of players is, because we still don't know. Like there's so, there's so many questions still all over the pitch. I think in defence, I think now we we've, we've probably struck on what is our best defence. I'd say B, Mina, Holgate, Dean is a solid enough defence to be able to take us through. Uh, the majority of the rest of the season, if they keep their form uh, where it's currently at, and yeah. ho- hopefully, you know, the likes of Holgate progresses, City B pro- progresses as well. Uh, in midfield, obviously, you know, the, with the horrible injury to Gomez, there's questions to be asked now like, do you, do you keep now playing three central midfielders? Uh, do you switch back to two central midfielders? Do you try and find a different sort of solution? You know, uh, does, is Sigurdsson a straight swap for Gomez Like in the system we were playing yesterday? You know, there's still so many questions around that. And then up front as well, you know, for a start, who do you play on the wings? And especially with, fingers crossed, Bernard coming back in a few weeks' time. Uh, and then who do you play up front? You know, Cenk Tosin, for, for all of his doubters that he's had last uh, for the last 18 months or so, he came on yesterday and he bagged the goal. He had one chance and scored it. Yeah. Exactly. There's not much more that you can ask from him. And yeah, I think that was probably the first time that we played to Chenk Tosin's strengths. Yeah. Since well, since the start of this season, definitely. And, you know, probably even further into last season as well. You know, his last goal came against Spurs funnily enough, didn't it? <laughs> In the last yeah. game of last season. Yeah. And uh you know, fair play to him for capitalising on, you know, his only chance of the game and I think he it was a really he did really well to anticipate the flight of the ball so quickly and to get himself in front of, you know, not just Davinson Sanchez, but Calvert-Lewin, who was running in on it as well. So I think it was a really good goal. So, you know, do, do you give him a chance from the start now? Do you persist with Richarlison? You know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin I think he needs a run in the team. Moyes Keane, you know, he's still sat on the bench. He needs a run in the team. You know, there's so many questions that Marco Silva still needs to answer over these, you know, next couple of really important games. You know, it's just... You
1: know, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes, to be honest. He's a he's a strange one, Tosin, isn't he? Because at the same time, he's been kind of omitted from from some squads this season. He's also seemingly the man who, whenever need a goal, Marco Silva. T- I remember Millwall; I think he came on in that game mm-hmm. and scored. Lincoln in the League Cup, Palace. kind of done the header back across. Palace last season. Palace last season. He came on, and scored, and and yesterday as well. You know, he was the first substitution ahead of team. Calvert-Lewin. and Mads So, you know. You are You he also splits opinion seemingly between Everton fans. Are you, would you be in the in the boat after that goal yesterday of of, of giving them an opportunity at at some point?
0: Why not? In a way, why not? But again, it's, it comes back to what Adam was saying. We we need to. We're crying out for a settled side, but none of the strikers have ever nailed down that position, and, and no one ever has since Lukaku and tosin And I don't know. I'm, I'm still unconvinced whether he is the man to lead Everton line. But what he has got is is kind of like a, a goal scoring now, hasn't he? He does seem to get himself into positions. You see, every time he goes away with his, his country on for international duty for for Turkey, he can score goals. But it just i think a lot he has his limitations we we all know that so maybe can't play on those maybe play to his strengths and as you both said then put balls into the box for him play we we know what he is. If you're going to play him, I think you've got to play to his strengths, and I don't think we do that often enough for him to start often enough. But the one thing I would say about Silver at the moment is maybe a cynic could turn around could turn around and say he's scratching around for ideas, but he is changing things. You know, it's yeah. not going yeah, well. Yeah. He's brought Holgate in. He changed the system yesterday. He's brought Walcott back, and I think Walcott's done pretty well. He he he's not resting on his laurels like it felt after the Burnley game, where it was just like. God, it's the same system again. It's the same plays again. Since then, he has tried to change things, and yeah, it, it, these next two games are massive for him. And coming out of the ground yesterday, people were still quite undecided about what's going to happen next. And one thing I'd have to say to him, I think he's an unlucky manager more than anything else because yeah. Yeah. everything that could have gone wrong this season has gone wrong. You yeah. know, injuries, VARs, things like that. And it's, it, 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 I still think the players are fighting for him because yeah, I, definitely. I, I think they're still fighting for him because yesterday. Spot on team. Two teams lack of confidence, loss of fo- lack of form, and you could tell that. But don't think they ever gave up, and I don't think they gave up against uh, against in the the other recent games. Brighton, it's yeah. There's it, it, questions to be asked there. How you could li- let a lead slip? But yeah, it's massive. I just think if, if we if we were to lose at Southampton, I know this will be discussed by you guys later in the week. I just I'm beginning to think that's going to be tough for him to come back from, yeah. from the majority of the fans even though there is definitely nothing in the stands where it was like Allardyce where it was open descent. it's just you can't help but look at that league table and look at the teams we've played and think how is it going to change in December because of who we've got to play
1: Spooky thought anyway we'll uh, we'll, we'll hold that one for the rest of the week the, the final part today Adam just a, a quick one it wasn't just football on Saturday for you uh, on Sunday you were also at the Academy on Liverpool Academy on Saturday to watch mm-hmm. Everton Under Twenty Threes in the mini derby and they they felt it was a feat but did a few players catch your eye in, in the game? Uh, yeah, Dennis Denarin was uh was the highlight the, was the highlight of the
2: game for me. You know, I think anybody who usually watches the under twenty threes would be used to seeing him as a centre mid. Yeah. And I think he does really well as a centre mid. I think I uh, picked him out against uh Burton Albion in the uh, what's that competition Ye- called these days? <sighs> is it What's leasing che- leasing.com leasing yeah. wasn't it yeah the leasing.com trophy yeah I've, I've spotted him in that game and it, you know it was very obvious that he'd been training with the first team in that game you know his speed of thought especially was just so good you know he seemed a yard ahead of even you know league one opponents you know he was ta- taking it round them with ease you know he was, he was quick he was powerful vibrant uh, but instead of playing in centre mid he was playing on a, the right right flank uh, against Liverpool, and I think he was absolutely fantastic. You know, he was so direct. I think once he knew he had the beating of uh, their left back, Norris, he he absolutely caused him all sorts of problems. Picked up the goal, which was a really, really good goal. Picked up a quick free kick from Morgan Feeney. Uh, took it round Norris No, not really any sort of skill, it was just knock it round him and used his pace and power to get round Norris. And it was a really good finish inside inside the far post and into the back of the net. Uh, so he was absolutely the highlight of the game, but Everton, apart from that, didn't really create many other yeah. sorts of chances. I think, you know, you look into the likes of Ellis Sims uh, to try and create something. He got took off at half-time because he was quite clearly struggling. Uh, Anthony Gordon then went up f- front in the second half and he kind of struggled a little bit. Harry Charlesley came on at half-time and he, you know, he... Was trying his best to create something, but you know things just didn't come off for him as well. And I think that was kind of the story of the game for Everton. Really, just things weren't really coming off in the final third, and then at the end of the game, it was a really good strike to be fair from Herbie Kane, Kela from outside the box, uh, which looped over Harry Tyra which gave them the win. But uh, yeah, I think Everton would be a little bit disappointed. I don't think they deserved to uh, lose that game. I think if they come out of that with a draw, it would have been a much more fair result. And Unzi was definitely disappointed with uh his side losing that game, he you know, kind of highlighted that they should have been creating more chances, uh, should have scored more goals, but you know, they'll be able to bounce back from that. You know, it, it's not as if it's not as if they've got batters or anything, you know, it's still a decent performance. They'll be able to bounce back from that, and there's got no doubt that they'll still have a really, really strong season because they've got some really good players, Tyler on Yango as well coming into the side. Sixteen. 16 year, years old and he just looks so powerful. It, it it's he's he's instantly up to speed with the with the pace of an under twenty game, which you know, the gap from under 18s football to under 23s football is quite sizable and you often see players struggling initially with that sort of jump, but yeah. Tyler just seems to have talked to it like a duck to water. So i am really intrigued to see how he does over the next few weeks. Uh but yeah the It was an unfortunate game for them, uh, but they'll bounce back.
1: Well, Adam, Paul, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back later in the week. As mentioned, to preview the trip to Southampton and hoping for an Everton win, you can rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Acast, and also join our Facebook group at Royal Blue Podcast. Thank you very much for listening or watching. Have a good week. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.